The following is a production of Different Brains. Visit us at differentbrains.org. Hi, I'm Dr. Hacky Reitman. Welcome to another episode of Exploring Different Brains. Today we have in our office here, right in our little green screen studio, we have Flip Aguilera, who is the founder of Sweat Nation, and he's into holistic health, fitness, good for your mind, good for your body, good for everything. Flip, welcome. Thank you, Haki. I'm uh, honored to be here sharing some time and attention with you. How did you get into all this? Well, how did I get into fitness? Well, I think you're doing more than just fitness, you know? First of all, introduce yourself properly because I didn't do a very good job. Okay, so I'm Flip Aguilera. I am like, the founder of Sweat Nation. And uh, I, I like to say that I'm the person you come to when you want to try to put the puzzle together, right? Because it's, it's more than just exercise, you know? Sleep is something that's very important. Nutrition is something that's very important. How you speak to yourself in your mind, something that's very important. So how all these things come together to create the puzzle of your life is what I try to focus on and helping people, again, optimize that and make it the best that I can. How did you evolve into this? So in around 2008, when the financial markets were crashing and everything was crashing, my life was crashing too. I had just gone through a divorce, foreclosure, all that fun stuff. But in my 20s, the lifestyle that I led was a very hard-charging party lifestyle, you know. I used to work for a liquor distributor during the day. I had a poker company at night where I was also around liquor some more. And then on the weekends, I was DJing in South Beach where there was more than liquor around. There was all types of things around. So for 10 years, that is how I lived. When I was going through my divorce, that's when I decided that I wanted to live a different lifestyle. and. You know, maybe it's serendipitous or whatever, but a friend of mine named Jimmy and Mike, they invited me to go to Markham Park to go biking. Now, what I didn't know is that it was going to be mountain biking, and I had never been mountain biking in my, in my life. I thought we were going to go bike around a park, drink some beer after, you know, just hang out. And when I get there, they have a bike for me, and they take me into this trail. And this was the warm-up trail, which probably lasted about no more than five minutes. And when we got out of the warm-up trail, I'm like, where did you guys bring me? Why am I here? I'm going to break something here. And are we done yet? And they were like, no, that was just the warm-up. And I was like, what? It's just the warm-up. So of course, all these guys begin to laugh at me. <laughs> and I made it through that day. And I was sore for a week after that. But uh, on the way home, I was like, I can't let these guys uh, get, get one up on me like that. And I started to go back every single day. So in three months, I went from about 185 pounds to 155 pounds. And uh, I looked at myself one day in the mirror. I'm like, I'm really skinny with these legs because I'm biking so much. And I need to do something about my upper body. So then, you know, at the age of 20-something, you go to the gym and you start to work the, the vanity muscles, right? You're doing lots of chest, lots of biceps, triceps. And that's all I would really do. I'm like, I work out my legs when I'm biking, so I don't need to do that, do that there. And what ended up happening is over a couple of months, I ended up getting a shoulder injury. And now I know why I got that shoulder injury. Back then, I didn't. So I go to the doctor. The doctor is the cortisone shot. I didn't feel anything anymore, so what do I do? 
I go back to doing the exact same thing <laughs> that got me the cortisone shot. So once that cortisone shot wears off, the other shoulder starts to mess up and I start to feel the pain back in this shoulder. I can barely lift either arm. And I go back to the doctor and he's like, I can give you another cortisone shot, but uh, if you come back one more time, we're going in. And I'm like, well, there's got to be a way for me to figure this out without going in because not that there is not a time and place for going in and fixing something, but once you open the box, it never quite goes back in the same way. So I was like, I, start, I took to Dr. Google, right? And I started to read a lot about how athletes rehab and how they get through, through what they get through. And no matter what, physical therapy was part of the action. So I was like, let me do the physical therapy exercises first and see what happens. It took me a year and a half, but after a year and a half, my shoulders were fine. Everything was good. And that's when I had the light bulb that I was like, oh, if I continue to learn about every single joint, then I can help people that are in pain, which is just about everybody. So uh, I started following this coach named Mike Boyle, and he actually had an article that was called the joint-by-joint -joint approach to training. So I made that my fitness philosophy as I began to transition out of the party lifestyle, out of working for the liquor distributor and decided, you know what, I'm gonna, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it for myself. And I jumped off the cliff and I'm still falling off the cliff <laughs> still today. <laughs> so that's how I got into fitness. That was the catalyst. And then once I started working with clients, you know, one of the first questions everybody asks after the workout is, what is it that I should be eating? So then I, w I didn't know really what to answer because back then I kind of had that bodybuilding mentality. Eat six times a day, you know, eat lots of protein. And what I figured out by starting to dig into the nutrition is that nutrition is very complex and we know very little about it still to this day, still to this day. So now when I give nutrition advice, it, there's a lot of, of trying to explore, okay, what's going to work for you? Because what might work for you might not work for everybody else. And what works for you now may not work for you forever because we are dynamic systems. We don't, we're not static. So then after that, I went to the University of Miami and got a sports coaching certification that says that I can work with athletes. And then again, I went and got the financial certification, which was just a left field because I figured that part of holistic health is knowing how to build your wealth as well. And then I went and got a holistic life coaching certification from the Czech Institute, which is run by Paul Czech, which is this you know, big holistic guy out in the West Coast. And that's where I am today, continuing to try to learn. So you touched them all. You got it all going on. Well, over time, you know, you don't, you keep asking questions and you're like, okay, how do I answer this question? <laughs> so in reading about Sweat Nation, it's kind of a unique approach. Tell us more about Sweat Nation. So Sweat Nation is the company that I started. And no matter what, whatever you want to accomplish in life, it's going to take sweat. So learning to embrace that concept of it's going to take some work, it's going to take some sweat. And, uh, I guess carrying, carrying the load purposefully is the, I guess, the mantra, the foundation of what Sweat Nation is trying to put out there. What is your personal connection with neurodiversity? Well, I want to say around 2013, I have a, a podcast addiction. <laughs> I have a problem. And uh, 
I was listening to a podcast with Tim Ferriss and he had Dr. Rhonda Patrick on there. And she blew me away with just the amount of information that she can retain on her head and just spit it out. So then I went around looking for more information from her and I saw that she was also on the Joe Rogan podcast. And at that time I had done my 23andMe genetic testing, but I only got the uh, ancestry part of it. I didn't get the full health spectrum. Mm -hmm. After listening to her, I went and got the health spectrum and at that time, because now 23andMe is a lot more, they have a lot more that they offer. But at that time they didn't offer what she was offering, which was she would take your results and tell you which SNPs you had. And that's when I found out that I had one gene of the ApoE4 gene that makes your Alzheimer's probabilities about 30%. If you, you know, if you have that gene, you have a 30% probability of getting Alzheimer's. If you have two of those genes, you have to, up to an 80% probability. So then, much like her, because she also has that same gene, I was wondering, well, what can I do to make sure that this gene stays off? And uh, that led me down a whole bunch of experiments on myself that I'm on right now talking to you. I'm on one of them right now. <laughs> What overall approach to exercise would you have for those of us whose brains are a bit different? Or those of us who are concerned about developing dementia, or those of us with autism, or... The thing about Alzheimer's is we, we know so little bit about it, right? It's, it's a fairly new player on the game that came in strong. It's a strong heavyweight that came up for real quick, right? And we're still learning so much about it. When it comes to how to keep your brain in an optimal form and how exercise and like what I like to call it purposeful movement comes in is that when you exercise and you push yourself, what you are effectively doing is learning something, right? So say I go do a squat. If I do a 100 pound squat today, my body needs to learn how to do that from a neuromuscular, from a central nervous system, from so many different aspects. But tomorrow, if I come in and do 105, although it's the same movement, 105 is still a new learned pressure that my body needs to learn. So exercise keeps your brain learning through movement, through, again, central nervous system. There's so many aspects of positive things that exercise does. And then also just learning in general, learning anything, you know, learning how to dance, learning how to play chess, learning how... Just learning in general keeps the connections in the brain stronger so that if by chance you do get something like Alzheimer's, supposedly, if the connections are stronger, it takes longer for them to wither away. As we were talking earlier, before we went on camera, we now know so many things are good for our brains, but it's not just the brains that they're good for. They're good to prevent cancer, heart disease, diabetes all of the above. And it's a whole package, as you talk about. It's not just the exercise and not just the sleep and not just the overall holistic approach. Why don't you expound more on what your approach is holistically? What does your version of a holistic approach include? Okay, so first and foremost, the thing that I protect with all my might is my sleep. Sleep is the lowest hanging fruit we can all pick to optimize our health. Second after that is where I put my purposeful movement. And then third, I put nutrition. And 
something that we haven't touched on yet, but is just as important of all of this is the people you surround yourself with, the social network you have around you. Are they feeding you or are they taking away from you? Do you have an uplifting feeling when you're hanging out with the people you hang out with or a sinking feeling when you're hanging out with the people that you're hanging out with? Because I know you've probably heard of like all these areas of the blue zones. In some of these blue zones area, you know, there's movement, there's sleep, there's nutrition, but in some of these places people smoke left and right. But because they have strong social connections, it mitigates that that negative aspect of whatever it is that they're doing. So that's how I try to plan. It's hang out with cool people, move on purpose, sleep well, and eat well. Do you tailor your regimen, your exercise regimen, to various neurodiverse types? Like if you train, give us some examples of that. So one of my favorite types of styles of working out is called periodized training, right? But I specifically like to fall back on what is called an undulating periodization. So, because your body needs to do something so that it can adapt to it, right? So take our example of the squat later. If we do, say, squats for six weeks, your body's going to adapt to be able to do that movement better and better over the six weeks. And then you kind of need to change it so that there's a different uh, pressure. But within those six weeks, we can just do like a, I guess, a... A template, a bodybuilding template would be like three sets of 10, right? We could do that for six weeks and you'll get stronger that way. But what I like to do with the undulating periodization is like, let's say one week it's three sets of 10. The next week it's three sets of 15. The next week it's four sets of eight. The next week it's four sets of 10. So you're going through all these different, you know, sets and reps where one of them builds more muscle. The other one builds more muscular endurance. The other one builds more strength. And if you do that for six weeks, Yes, you're doing the same movements, but you're, it's kind of, you know, you're layering in all these different type of central nervous system ways of learning. And then, of course, on top of that, throw in some sprints, throw in a good mountain biking ride, go dance all night. You know, all of these things count. So in your exercise regimen, I know you vary a client to client, but you don't need a whole lot of equipment. Huh? You don't have to have a, a lot of equipment, no. As long as you have an able body and a mind that's willing to undertake the journey, you're good to go. What's one word of wisdom you'd like to leave our audience with today? Listen. Listen to your body. Listen to your instincts. Learn how to tap into that because uh, we don't listen enough. And as they say, we have two ears and one mouth, but we like to run our mouth a lot. And I'm definitely guilty of that. So I have to be the first one to be mindful about listening more and talking less. How would our audience get in touch with you if they want to learn more? Well, you can always go to sweatnation.world. Uh, I am uh, Flip Aguilera on Facebook. I am Flip Awesome Aguilera on Instagram. I also have sweatnation.world on Instagram. Flip AAA on Twitter. So however you want to get in touch with me. As you can tell, I like to talk. So. <laughs> <laughs> what do you feel is the role your work serves in terms of helping the brain? Well, it, it kind of starts with how you speak to yourself, right? The stories that you tell yourself. And where did those stories even come from? And are they serving you? And having people open up to questioning, okay, where, where did those stories come from? Did they come from my childhood or, you know, my parents put them there. Did they come from my peers when I was growing up? And 
there's so many examples of people that have had things put into them before they even had a chance to to know like oh this is a, a habit that I don't want or so just the story that you tell yourself about the life that you're living and how that affects everything else right because the the story starts up here in the brain well flip it's been great to have you here today we hope you come back again soon keep up the good work you do with so many people thank you very much Haki. and i again i appreciate your time and attention because it's the greatest gift we can all give to each other exploring different brains is a production of different brains inc for more information visit us at differentbrains.org